First Samuel, second chapter. First Samuel two and thirty. This the latter part of the verse says, the Lord says, For them that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Why don't you say that out loud? For them that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Let's say it together. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. This is a revelation that you see throughout the Word of God. You and I will be treated the way we treat Him and His things. And that's fair. If we honor him and his things and his people, he'll honor us. Despise can be as simple as treating something as insignificant or ignoring it. Honor means heavy or weighty. To honor something is to give it weight, to give it place, importance in your life. If something's important, you talk about it differently. If something's important, it's priority to you. If something's important, you handle it like it is. If it's not important, you talk about it disrespectfully, even if you're not meaning to. If something's not important, you got no time for it, you got no place for it. And isn't it sad that billions of people have no time for God. It's very sad. We need to set them an example. That God is number one. In our lives. And we do not apologize for that. Right? Also. In Mark the fourth chapter. In fact let's do it this way. Go to Matthew 13. Because. Uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke. Are dealing with the same. Teaching of Jesus. Concerning what we call the parable of the sower. Matthew 13. And we'll start in about verse 11. Jesus answered and said to them. Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. For whosoever has to him shall be given He'll have more abundance. But uh, whosoever has not from him shall be taken away, even that he has. Thank you, Lord. He's talking about revelation. Spirit of God through Paul said, I'm not ashamed in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. He said the righteousness of God is revealed in it from faith to faith. We read in Mark, we read in Luke. He said, take heed what you hear for the measure that you meet to it is what will be measured back to you. Luke said, take heed how you hear. 
Sometimes people have said, you know, I didn't get a thing out of that. <laughs> that doesn't mean it wasn't there. Back up to verse 11. Look at verse 10. The disciples said, why do you speak to them in parables? We know that God is a God who reveals himself. Did you know he's also a God who hides himself? Prophet Isaiah said so. You say hides himself? Yes. Do we not know that if God wanted to, he could put his face in the sky and shake this world? And in two seconds, there wouldn't be anybody on the planet that had any doubt that he was real and he is God. I said, well, why, why didn't he do it? He specifically hides things so that you have to choose to believe. He's only revealing himself by degree to those who want to see. They're asking him, his disciples traveled with him. He just got through, Jesus just got through ministering to a big crowd. And he's telling stories. Stories, 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 stories. And when they come back, does that remind you anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brother Hagen, stories. <laughs> We've had people tell us, why do they keep telling the same stories all the time? Well, when you get them. <laughs> Well, Jesus did that. And so when they came back, they said, Lord, why do you talk to them in parables? Why don't you just say it? Verse 11. He answered, because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. And he he would say things, and then he'd say, he that has ears to hear that, hear it. Wouldn't he do that? Let me give you an example. Jesus had giant crowds for a while. And then he started preaching on, drink my blood. And eat my flesh. (laughs) And people left him. By the thousands. We're talking about the master. The Bible said they didn't follow him anymore. They they called the office and said take my name off the mail list. (laughs) I'm not joking. I mean this. they, They didn't give any more. They didn't come to any more meetings. And I want you to notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, no, 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 you you misunderstand me. No, let me me, me explain it to you. Uh Uh-uh. He turned to his staff. He said, y'all leaving too? We need to see the master how he really is. Not how religious ideas fabricated him to be. Yeah. 
He wasn't being mean. He wasn't being hard. Why? Because God requires faith. And what do you do when you don't understand? That's the test of faith. Years ago, I'd studied Job. And I thought, what is going on here? Forty-some chapters of wrangling between them, basically about why bad things happen to people. And their analysis was, bad things happen because you've done bad things. And Job said, ain't so, ain't so, ain't so. And they went back and forth and back and forth. And finally, these are some of the wisest men in the world. God speaks out of a whirlwind. And for what the whole chapter or, or two or whatever it is. And not one time did he explain it to him. He didn't explain it to him. He did not go into detail. Why it happened. Could he have? Why didn't he? He said. You want to question me about my judgments. You want to accuse me of being unjust and unfair. Because Job did. Job accused God of being unfair. Big mistake. And, And God said, you want to challenge me on that? He said, I got some questions for you first. Where were you when I started this thing? Do you understand this? And the answer to all the questions from Job would have been, no. Were you there? No. You know how? I always wondered how. No. 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 Don't have a clue? No. I always wondered. No. 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 Why? Because understanding is not the only thing. It's not even the most important thing. Because We only know in part. We're never going to understand everything down here. In the short time of our life. The important thing is. What you do. When you don't understand. And what you can do. Is trust. You can trust. This will get you. Through the roughest things. In your life. You look up through your tears. You look up through your questions. You don't know why this happened. You don't know why this hasn't happened. You don't understand this. You don't understand that. What you don't do is get miffed at God. Because then you are judging him unfaithful and you are believing lies. He's never failed anybody. He's never been unfaithful. It's impossible for him to lie. Cannot happen. We just don't know much. We know in part. If you only know in part, that means there's parts you don't know. And that's where the problems come in. It's all the parts you don't know. I'm convinced for a long time after we get to heaven, it's going to be like this. Oh. Oh. I see now. Oh, no wonder. No wonder. But now, 
We just see through a glass darkly. But what you don't want to do is rail against God. Why, God? Why? That's not okay. I said, that's not okay. Especially after he's done thing after thing after thing after thing for you. And you know better through experience. What you do is you look up through your tears, through your fears, through your questions. And you say, Father, I don't understand all this. But I know this. You're good. And you're faithful. And I trust you. I will trust you in life. I will trust you in death. I will trust you with my last breath. I trust you. I call you faithful. Faithful God. I'm telling you what. You'll get through anything. He will see to it. Can you say amen? But the revelation comes. From faith to faith. There are millions on the planet who are satisfied that God doesn't exist because to them there is no proof of God. But it's not true. It's not given to them to see and know because they don't value what they did see and hear. They rejected it and so no more will be given unless and until they see fit to acknowledge the creator of the universe and show him some respect. Are you listening? And acknowledge who created them and who gives them their every breath. God didn't just create this thing. He upholds it every millisecond by the word of his power. It's the power from his throne that keeps our sun burning, that keeps gravity working. And every cell in our body. Somebody say thank you Father. Thank you Lord. I believe in you. I trust in you. Glory to God. Verse 17. Skip on down. He goes through the parable of the, the sower. You could also call it the parable of the seed. He said verily I say to you. Many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see. And have not seen them. And to hear those things which you hear. And have not heard them. What is Jesus telling them? He's endeavoring. To get them to see. How big. What's happening is. How important. The words they're hearing are. Look at it again. He's telling his own. He said many prophets. And righteous men have wanted to see what you're seeing. Thank you, Lord. And that should be their response. Right? When they hear him, they should say, Wow. Thank you, Lord. Who are we? What's he, what's he saying? Moses didn't see this. Elijah didn't see this. Isaiah didn't see this. Oh, come on, are y'all with me? He's saying generations of folks, men of God who drew near, they touched this a little bit and they said, I want to see that. I want to see that. And the Lord said, not yet. And he said, it's here. You're seeing it. You're hearing it. 
And yet there were people that didn't give any credence or any value to what they heard Jesus preaching and teaching. Can you see this? People like to think, well, if Jesus was here today, oh, man, whole world would flock him and be great. No, they wouldn't. They didn't then. They wouldn't now. He came into his own. What'd they say? No, we don't want it. We don't want it. And there is something that happens if and when you do that. What we're talking about is despising. The master comes to you, preaches in your town. Is that right? Healings and miracles happen. And you go, I don't believe in all that stuff. I don't go for all that. You know, the Lord warned folks about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, didn't he? People said, that ain't God. Well, if it is God, and you say it's the devil, you're attributing the things of God to God's enemy. You're calling good evil. Then what you have done is you have judged. You hadn't stopped good. You haven't changed good. You haven't prevented other people from receiving, but you've judged yourself unworthy of this great holy thing. Look in Acts. Hold your place in Matthew 13, but look in Acts, please. Acts 13:45. Paul's Spirit of God through Paul's preaching. And when the Jews saw the multitudes that responded to the message, they were filled with envy. They spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. And then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. And they said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Hmm. This is going on all over the planet. Oh, hallelujah. This is going on all over the planet. The Lord is offering his precious things to people. And people are saying, no, I don't care. I don't believe it. I don't want it. And if after a certain point, he'll say, okay, do you want it? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want it? And sadly, it'll be time after time. They don't want it. They don't want it. They don't want it. This was something that puzzled me. In ministry expansion and starting churches and these kind of things, the Lord has sent us to do certain things in ministry in more than one place where we didn't do it. Because they didn't want it. They didn't want it. And, you know, I, I got it so strong, Phyllis and I got it so strong, and we went there. We've gone to cities before. 
There was one city we went to, supernatural. We got in the plane by ourselves and just went there by direction. And didn't know anybody. We drove. There was a church we saw. We were impressed to go there. Didn't know anybody there. Never been there. Walked in the door. <laughs> Didn't know why we're there. And somebody came out and said, can I help you? And I, I wanted to say, I don't know. <laughs> I know they thought, Who, what do we got going on here? I just said, hi. We just came. We wanted to see the church. And about that time, a fellow come walking across and he said, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, what are you doing here? And we talked about doing some things, but eventually saw that some folks didn't want it to go that way. And within about a year or so, the Lord said, go this way. So we went to another city and did it there. And it puzzled me because I thought, Lord, you don't change your mind now. Did I miss you? You don't change. How can that be? If it was right to do it here, how can, it, how can you say, okay, leave it alone, go do it over here? How can that? Because you don't change. That bothered me. I had to pray through that. And the Lord said this to me. He said, I can do things more than one way. And he referred me to Moses. And he said, you know, when the people made that idol, you remember that? And they said, these are your gods. It made God mad. He said, get out of the way. Remember that? These folks will be destroyed. I will make of you a greater nation. What's he saying? Didn't he choose them? What's he saying? I'll do it another way. I'll do it through you. This is something a lot of folks have not. People think, well, if it's the will of God, it's going to happen Yes and no. Yes. His plan will be done. Who's going to get used? Maybe you, maybe not you. That's up to you. Come on, are you with me? He can do it another way. He can do it another way. This happens a lot with finances. A lot of the same people get used over and over again. And folks wonder why. But it's because a lot of folks won't obey. They don't see the value of it. Brother Happy Caldwell said uh, the Lord dealt with him to do the Victory Television in Arkansas and start the first station. Of course, he didn't know it would be like it is now, but he thought, Lord, I don't know anything about TV. Not a thing. Why, why me? And he kept on praying, came, finally realized the Lord's dealing with me to do this. And, and at one point he, he realized it. He said, Lord, am I the first one you talk to about this? <laughs> and what did the Lord tell him? I think it was number six or seven. Anybody heard him say it? Seven? He said, you're number seven. Number seven. That means he dealt with six different individuals. And they didn't want it. They didn't want it. Am I making something up or is this the scripture? The Lord told the, the, the story. He said, 
the Lord, the master, prepared his dinner. And he sent out the invitations. He said, I have done it up. I got the, the fatted calf. I, got, I, I, have, I have prepared. Come. What did folks say? One by one. They began to make excuse. I can't come because. Can't come because of work. Can't come because of family. Can't come because of sporting events. Can't come because I've got a deal going on. Because of the car. Because of this. Because of that. Can't come. Can't come. Sorry. Can't come. Sorry. Can't come. Sorry. Sorry. Can't come. And all these can't comes came across the Lord's desk. And he said. Oh I understand. I understand. Everybody's so busy. But y'all just come when you can. Uh -uh. (laughs) That's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. What's the problem? You make time. For what's important to you. And if you don't make time for it. It's not important to you. Right? You can get out your checkbook. And find out what your priorities are. Is that right? You can look at your schedule. See where you spend all your time. That's what's important to you. Where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. And the problem is. If we treat God's things. With disrespect. And got no time. Our things are going to be treated that way. It's why it's so frustrating for so many people. They just keep bumping their head. and, And nobody will help them. And it's so hard. And it's so tough. And it's. Well, you're not being honored because of not honoring. Oh, but how many believe there's grace from the Lord that if you'll put him first? How many believe if you take care of his things, he's going to help take care of your things? Do you believe that? It's the truth. Matthew 6.33. Seek him first. Seek his things first. And all these things will be added to you. But... It begins with treasuring his things. It starts young. It goes back to your earliest memories. God is faithful. Nobody gets through this earth and gets through this life without an opportunity to know him. I don't care if you were born into a 50th generation of people who pray to rocks. Makes no difference. You might be eight years old. Looking up into the night sky. And there will come a revelation. Of the reality of God. Not much. You wouldn't know much about it. Might not know anything about Jesus. Or anything about the Bible. What we call the word of God. But there's something there. That lets you know there's a creator. And he cares about you. And if you go. No. We're 50 generations of rock worshipers. That's what we do. Well that's it. The little flicker will go out. You didn't want it. Can you see this? 
But if something will stir in you, you'll be honest and go, something in me knows that's true. I want to know more. <laughs> the Lord will say, I'll give you more. I'll give you more. Come on. And you'll learn a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. The next thing, some way or another, you got to somewhere where somebody preached the gospel to you. Hallelujah. And you said, that's it. I know that's it. And then you'll be born again. And here you go, filled with the Spirit. Next thing you know, you're in a good church. Oh, come on. Are you listening? You are on your way. But at any point, you stop appreciating it. Start taking it for granted. That is despising. Very, very important. Some years ago, just just a few, just a couple of years ago, I was thanking God profusely for what He has done for us, and I realized how privileged Phyllis and I have been to be around the people we've been around, yes. been in the situations we've been around, yes. and to hear what we have heard. When you realize there's people in the world hadn't heard one good faith message. Not even one good message on healing or any of those things. And we've heard thousands and thousands. We've been in these great meetings. And Phyllis and I, this little country people from Mississippi, and we didn't know anybody and didn't know any of this when we left home. I was saying, why us, Lord? Why us? I mean, we got to Rama, and it's just favor after favor after favor. My job for years was sitting in Brother Hagen's classes and taking his tape, his big videotapes home and monitoring them. And then uh, prayer school, healing school, I'm with people uh, showing it or talking about it. I mean, I am immersed. In some of the best words you ever heard. For two decades. Why. Why me. Who am I. Who are we. I asked the Lord. Because there's billions of people on this planet. And the Lord answered me two days later. I don't mean I heard a voice. But inside he said. And it flashed across me like this. He took me back. To the first tapes I heard on faith and being redeemed from the curse of the law. Phyllis and I are just married just a few months. And we had a little trailer (laughs) with uh, red shag carpet and genuine imitation leather sofa. That means plastic. (laughs) Through the doctor she worked for. She brought home some tapes finally. He, she just did it out of respect for him. Because we didn't, nobody listened to tapes on preaching. And we heard it on that little plastic couch and a little tape player about that big. And, and I heard we'd been redeemed from the curse of the law. Ooh. And that God would bless you. He'd help you get a car. He'd help you get a house. He'd help you get clothes. And we thought, what? What? We got so thrilled. We got so excited. Why would you get excited? 
Why would you get thrilled? Why? The writer of the Proverbs, have you read that? Anybody read the Proverbs? If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's, It's very good. Throughout the Proverbs, he's saying, my son, wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God is more precious than rubies. It's more important than gold. It's more, what's he endeavoring to do to show them how precious the knowledge of God is, how valuable the wisdom of God is. Because he said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Don't let that word, don't, don't let the word fear get by you. The reverence, the respect of the Lord is where you begin to come out of dumbness. And I don't care how brilliant you are, if you don't respect God, you stay in darkness. You're going to mock the things of God. You're going to blaspheme. To you, it'll be like there is no God. You will have no knowledge of God, no experience of God. And it's not because he's not there. It's because you've judged yourself unworthy of it by treating it like you have. The parable of the sower, wayside ground, stony ground, thorny ground, good ground, is all talking about how the word was treated. How the word was received or not received. And when we first heard those things, we were so ecstatic. And the first thing you want to do is you want your friends to get this. I see you did the same thing. So we took them and we said, oh, you got to hear this. They said, what? That new music tape? No, it's preaching. Preaching? Preaching? Yeah, yeah, you got to hear this, you got to hear this. And of course, when you're so young and this is the first thing you ever heard, you, you try to tell it all to somebody in 10 minutes and you don't say it right and... <laughs> And uh, you see them a few days later, what about it? You're looking for them to shout and they go, I ain't got around to it. Hadn't got around to it. <laughs> Why? Why hadn't they got around to it? Right. Not important. And then weeks later, did you, did you, what do you think? I listened to part of it. Part of it. <laughs> part of it. What do you think? I don't know about all that. I just don't know about all that. Because you know, and they start talking about tradition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What mom and them believe. Mm-hmm. And the Lord, the Lord, he brought that across my mind just like a flash. It took me longer to tell you. But he, then, and he contrasted that with Phyllis and I. Our life changed. That was priority in our life. As soon as we get in from work, out come the tape players. And the notebooks. And we were there till late. And it was that way day after day. And I didn't realize it. But the Lord was getting faith in us. Because he's about to tell us what he called us to do. And it's going to take faith to do it. Oh can you see this? But if we hadn't valued that first word. We would never find out about any of the rest of it. 
And as soon as he showed me that, he said, why have we enjoyed all that? Why has he given us all this? To him that has, shall more be given. He said, because I knew you would value it. And then a few days later, he said, and I knew you'd do something with it. I want to keep valuing it. So I keep getting more. I want to keep getting more. To treasure it. To value it. Somebody's prayed out loud. Say, say Father God, open my eyes. That I never fail to respect. What's important to you. Well, fast forward a couple of years. We're at Ramah. Green as can be. Believing God for every tank of gas and every sandwich. And nobody knows us there. We don't know anybody there. And the uh, Lord dealt with me to go to healing school. So we did. And I mean, first week we were there. Brother Hagin's teaching there. Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now, teaching there. And he said, uh, we're going to open up a prayer and healing center. And, and the building wasn't there and finished or anything yet. And, and we're going to train people to minister to the sick. We're going to train divine healing technicians to minister to the sick. When I heard that, I thought, Ooh. <laughs> divine healing technician. Ooh. Wouldn't that be something... I probably looked and sounded like, uh, who's it, Goober on Gomer. Turns it Gomer. There was a Goober and a Gomer. We're just fresh off the farm, I'm telling you. But I thought, isn't that something? And looked around, and there was about 500 people in there behind me, and I thought, well, every one of them would want it too, wouldn't they? Okay, but ooh, ain't that something? <laughs> Within a few months, I was one of two of the students selected to start working in it. The mercy and goodness of God. And years later, the Lord brought that up to me. He said, when you turned around and said, ooh, and you thought, well, everybody, he said, you were wrong. Everybody didn't feel about it that way. <laughs> Everybody didn't. They weren't impressed like that. They didn't desire it like that. I thought that would just be. That'd be like somebody picking you to go to the moon. I mean, that'd be divine healing technician trained by Brother Hayden. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Well, it was something. Glory to God for years and years and years. There were prayers I prayed in the floor of that little trailer there. Back, what is that, 35? Pushing 40 years now. Prayers I prayed. Oh, God. This has helped me so much. If I can ever do anything for these people. Use me, bless them. 
seemed like an almost impossible thing to say. 30 years later, he did it. One of the most precious things in life is the respect and confidence of your elders. And you cannot get it by asking for it. You cannot get it by saying, respect me. You can't get it by seeking your own glory. If you're pushing for it, pulling for it for that reason, you won't get there. It won't happen. That's not your motive. But if you love him sincerely when nobody's around, come on, are y'all with me or not? When you count his things precious, regardless what anybody else thinks about it, he knows it. He sees it. When he gives you a little bit and you treat it like it's a big bit, you go, look at here. One of the first times I spoke in healing school. I was just uh, helping. I'd set up the chairs and and pick up stuff. And and if somebody wanted to talk after the service about getting saved or something, I I went there when I was with them. But I didn't preach. I wasn't a preacher. I was still trying to find out where the scriptures were. And uh, Patsy Beerman, now Caminetti, who was working there, she came by and she said, uh, I want you to speak a couple of days here. Yeah, in the healing school. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, because I had said, you know, anything I can do. So they said, I want you to speak. And then, they, and then she turned and left, and I thought, what did I just do? <laughs> I, these people have been in here listening to Brother Hagin. What am I going to get up there and say? I mean, uh, because the last time I had spoken, it took me all week to prepare. <laughs> and I wrote everything down. And I'm not kidding with you. I, I came. It was in a little traditional church. And... Um, I had my notes up and I read it word for word and and when I, and I thought, well, I'm standing too still, so but I didn't want to lose my place. So I put my finger here and I walked around like this and said a little bit and then I put my finger here. And I, okay. and I said everything I knew in five minutes. And then I said it again, there's only seven minutes and you know, Brother Hagin go hour and a half just, just like that. And, and and these people are not just here having fun. They've been diagnosed terminal, incurable, and they don't need anybody playing around. They need some serious help here. I thought, Lord, Lord, what have I done? I thought, I, I need to call them and tell them, look, <laughs> we, I, I really can't. I'm not trying to be humble. I, I can't. I'm just not there yet. I really appreciate the. And, and I, 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 went, I went to pick the phone up. And the Lord said, you better ask me. I thought, well, yeah, I guess that's right. So I put it back down. And I said, Lord, what about it? He said, I want you to do it. I thought, Lord, you know where I'm at. Mm. So we, we lived in a little uh, apartment and a little bitty closet. You wouldn't call it walk-in. It's reach-in. <laughs> But I, I had just read the verse where it said, get in your closet. <laughs> so I got in there. And I was like this, you know, in, in the ball in the floor. But I got in there. 
And I prayed, man, I prayed and I prayed and, and I prayed and then I, I was, I was worried. I was worried. And, and I just, uh, and finally I ran out of gas and just kind of slumped over to the side. <laughs> and the Lord started talking to me. I finally hushed, you know, got quiet. And I don't mean a hurt voice, but inside me, he just began to bring these things up to me and show me like he'll do any child of God. And uh, he said, son, to compare yourself with someone else is unwise. It's not understanding. He said, Brother Hagin didn't start where he is. He said, uh, do you remember the little boy's lunch and the loaves and the fishes? I thought, yes, sir. Remember what I did with just a couple of fish and just a few little pieces of bread? I said, yes, sir. He said, you're looking at you. You'd look at me. You're thinking, you just, I, don't, I don't have much. I don't have much. And he said, compared to somebody that's been in ministry for 50 years, you hadn't developed much. But they didn't start there either. That's how you're going to get there. He said, but you, you need to remember, I can take a little. And do a lot with it. <laughs> that set me free. That I had a hallelujah time in the closet. Kicked some of the clothes off the hanger. and Then I figured, I need, I need to get out of here. This thing is too little. And, and uh, he said, you feel like you only got a couple of sardines and a cracker. You feel like that ain't much. Now, I'm not just telling stories to be telling stories. What's he saying? Do not compare yourself with someone else. Esteem what I have given you. Oh, come on. Can you see it? Esteem what I have given you. It's great to admire what I've given Brother Hagin. But that's not going to help you right now. Paul said, I magnify mine office. That's not magnifying yourself. You didn't call yourself. You didn't put yourself in that office. He said, you feel like you got two, two sardines and a cracker. He said, but that's what I gave you. Be thankful for it. <laughs> and remember, just keep reminding yourself, he can take a little and do a lot with it. What did Jesus do with those few little sardines and crackers? What did he do? He held them up. Is that right? Why even pray over this? we got thousands of people out here that need to eat. Why are you even talking about this little, well, what they say? When he asked his disciples, where are we going to get food to feed all these people? And one of them said, well, if we did all this, it, it wouldn't touch it. Another one said, but what is that among so many? That's the mistake. What is that among so many? This is not a little mistake. This is a huge mistake. The seed for the miracle was there. But the danger is in ignoring it. Treating it like it's nothing. Well, that ain't going to feed everybody. Well, no, it's not. But it can be the seed God uses to do it. But you've got to treat the seed right. He said, bring it to me. And he brought it to him. He held it up. What? Little, little boy's lunch, little kid's lunch. 
It'd be like today, some of those little crackers and cheese and, you know, little things they put kids haul with them, you know. You got thousands of people out here. You're holding up this little, what do they call them, launchables, whatever they are, you know. <laughs> You little crackers and goodies. You're saying, Lord, we thank you for this bountiful provision. You're talking faith. Come on, can you see this? And when he got through, he said, all right, let's feed everybody. Here you go. Take that. Share it. Take that. Share it. And while, what if they, what if they had, any one of them had stopped and went, this ain't going to feed everybody. The miracle multiplication would have stopped with them on their row. You put them in groups of 50s. You remember that? And so you had to break and pass. Which means you had to do an act of faith because you could have looked at it and said, that ain't enough to feed me. I can eat five of them by myself. <laughs> by myself. That's despising. This won't make any difference. What good does this do? Have you heard that kind of language? This is some of the most dangerous, insulting language. There is. And folks don't think there's anything wrong with it. Oh, well, big deal. You could have just disqualified yourself from something very precious. If it's got anything to do with God, it is a big deal. I said it's a big deal. You do it right. You start early. You stay late. You spend all the money you need to. Come on, you listen. You just do everything you know to get it right. And if you do, and you honor him, here it's going to come. I said, here it's going to come. Here it's going to come like waves of glory rolling in the honor and glory of the Lord will respond to us honoring him. Oh, hallelujah. So I went in there, stood up, looked around, tried not to look too close. I said, let's pray. And I said, Lord, we thank you for meeting our needs today. And I held up my little sardine and my cracker. And I I didn't think about what anybody else had or what anybody else could do. This is what God has given me. And I appreciate it. And so I broke off a little piece. I started sharing. Verses came to me illustrations came to me. What's happening? This is multiplying. Oh, come on. Can you see? It's multiplying just like the loaves and fishes because this is the bread from heaven. And it's multiplying. And I preached and taught for over an hour. And people got healed. And people were, I could see it in their eyes. They were thinking, mmm, this is good. This is good. Mmm, I'm full now. And I'm thinking, you don't know what a miracle just happened here. This, you don't know what a miracle just happened. And that's what we've been doing ever since. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? 
People say, God, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more. No, to him that has. Shall more be given. What? It has to do with what you do with you have. We were there in healing school for a while. And Brother Hagen was doing a lot of other things. And he said, uh, who's got healing school on their heart? And I did. And it was Patsy and, and uh, David Horton. And, and so we began to do more. And uh, so I find myself every week laying hands on people. And uh, I felt inadequate. Because Brother Hagen, somebody said, you shouldn't be compared. I know that. <laughs> but have you ever done it? He was there. And he would, when he'd get ready to lay hands on people, he'd tell about when the head of the church laid hands on him. <laughs> Is that right? And put the finger in the palm of his hands. They began to burn like he's holding a coal of fire. And... That's what people had been receiving from. And next Thursday is Keith who? (laughs) And I can't say that. I ain't seen the head of the church. I hadn't felt no burning coal. (laughs) But it fell to me on some of those times. And I thought, well, Lord, I don't want these people shorted. So I... I began to seek him. We had a speaker's room. And man, I'd get in there and I'd put my face in the floor. And this is my prayer. God, give me more anointing. Give me, add to me anointing. Because I, I believe the anointing will remove the burdens. It'll destroy the yoke. The anointing will do it. I don't care how bad it is. The anointing will do it. So give me some more anointing. Anointing, anointing. This went on for months. Lord, give me some more anointing. and I, Give me some more anointing. And, and after months of this, one night, a day I was laying there praying again, and, and he said, uh, faithfulness, faithfulness. I set up and I thought, faithfulness, I wrote it down. I thought, yeah, Lord, faithfulness is good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that. But you know, we got healing class starts just in a few minutes. <laughs> what I could really use right now. Come on, help me. <laughs> Some anointing. Some more anointing, because the anointing breaks the yoke. And uh, I got to praying again about the anointing, and the Lord said, "Faithfulness." I thought, "Yeah, I'm going to do a study on that. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to do a study on that." But, but Lord, could you give me some anointing right now? Anointing. And I, I went over this too many times, and. The Lord said this to me. He said, all of my children receive an anointing when they're filled with the Spirit. Is that true or not? You shall receive power. Have you been filled with the Spirit? You have an anointing. I'm not talking about the anointing in you. I'm talking about you have an anointing on you to minister. You must, well, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. We're not talking about fivefold ministry gifts. You have an anointing to be a witness. I don't mean go try to preach everybody. To be a witness. Power. He said many of them have done nothing with that anointing. Why would they need more? He said, son, 
Be thankful for what you have. Use what you have. Be faithful with what you have and I'll add to you. And I need to quit begging for anointing. It's the same with money. I need money. I need money. I need money. That's not how it works. Everybody okay or not? How are you going to get more? So I would. I saw it. By, it is by the grace of God. I made the adjustment. And instead of begging for anointing, he led me to go over to the scriptures where it says the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. And I quit asking and pleading and I'd lay there for 15 minutes to 30 minutes at a time and say the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. The spirit of the Lord. Come on, say it out loud. The spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me. Who? The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me. That's far different from laying there begging in faith. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I need no faith. And I'd do that and I'd do that and then I'd go pray for people. And I'd sense the presence of God slightly at first. Then I'd sense it stronger and stronger. After a year or two, Brother Hagin laid hands on us. Well, that was the Lord responding to this. Can you see that? And then the anointing increased, and then it happened again. And, and over a period of years, there'd be times anointing would be so strong, you could hardly stand up. Well, the anointing had increased. Can you see this? But why? You value what he gave you. Go with me to the book of Genesis, please. Genesis 25. The wisest man in recorded history was also the richest man in recorded history. The wisest man was the richest man, Solomon. And do you know how that worked? Why that came to be? Solomon made some serious mistakes at the end of his life. But you, you rewind, you back up to when he was first king. He loved God with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind and strength. When he was anointed king and it was time for him to take over the responsibilities after his father David. Uh, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. Uh, the Bible said that uh, the Solomon loved the Lord. This is 1 Kings 3.3. 3. He loved the Lord and uh, he went to a place and offered a thousand burnt offerings. <laughs> and the Lord appeared to him in, by night and said, ask what I'll give you. Mm-hmm. Is that the Lord honoring Solomon? Yes. After what? He honored After he honored him. Nobody told him he had to do all that. He just did it because he loved God. Because he respected God. And when the Lord said, ask me what you want. Blank check. What did Solomon say? He said, verse 9, he said, give your servant an understanding heart. 
Everybody say understanding. To judge your people that I may discern between good and bad. Now involved in discerning between good and bad is discerning between what's valuable and good and what's worthless. And the writer of the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, that's what's coming out continuously. This is important. This is not. This is precious. This is worthless. This is blessing. This is curse and evil. Two of the most important things we could ever learn in life is what's good, what's bad, what's important, and what's not. You reckon there's a lot of stuff people are doing in life that is a complete waste of time. That is not important at all. And the enemy, if you let him, he'll get you caught up in that and you miss the important stuff. Why are you doing this stuff? You were so busy playing video games, you missed your kid grow up. Or something else. I mean, especially in our tech world, how many myriad of ways are there to waste time? Say it out loud, Lord, teach me what's important. And what is not. What is valuable. And what is worthless. There's a lot of things. They're not sin. They're not evil. They're just a waste. They're just worthless. And then some things are are worse than that. They are bad. Because he knew the difference. Between what was important and what was not. He kept making right decisions and right decisions and right decisions and became completely established as king and his wealth just kept rolling in. God said, he told him, he said, because you asked for that, said it pleased him that the Lord asked for that. I'm going to give it to you. And the writer of Proverbs says, with the wisdom comes the riches, comes the long life. It all comes together. Many have not realized when they got up and walked out of church, they got up and walked out of service and they didn't come back. God had a plan for them. He had a path for them. It was good. This was going to happen and then that was going to happen. They were going to meet these people and then they're going to get involved in this and it was going to come and then money was going to come. And in Genesis 25, are you there? 31. Esau came to Jacob's brother, his brother, and he's been out hunting and tired and hungry, and Jacob's got some some gumbo. (laughs) Boy, that gumbo smells good. And Esau said, give me some of that gumbo. And Jacob said, no problem. You have all the gumbo you want, Bubba. <laughs> but uh, I want you to sell me today your birthright. No, this is not nice. This Jacob, this is not nice for Jacob to do it. And you know, later on, Jacob dressed up like Esau and went in, fooled his daddy and got the blessing. You remember all that? And he came back on him. 
When he got involved with Uncle Laban. Oh, buddy, the tricker got tricked. He reaped it 30, 60, 100 fold. I mean, when you wake up with the wrong wife. Oh, you know you have reaped some things. The tricker got tricked. <laughs> but yet, history follows Jacob, the lineage, and, and, and not Esau. Why? Because in spite of the way he did it, why he did it was good. He admired the birthright. He valued the blessing. Come on, can you see this? But he wasn't the firstborn. So he couldn't get it. Or could he? (laughs) He wanted it so bad. Till he said, yeah, man, I'll give you the whole pot. Just summon up birthright. Keep reading. Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. How many think he's exaggerating? How far can they be from mama's house? If Jacob's out cooking gumbo. And who ever starved anywhere near mama's house? I'm at the point to die. Uh, Read this next phrase. Read it out loud. What profit shall this birthright do to me? What, what profit? We, we'd say, what good? What good is this going to do? This birthright. And Hebrews says, he despised his birthright. Now here's a big problem. What is a birthright? To despise the birthright is to despise the father. Because that's who you're born of. And you are the eldest, the firstborn to carry the family name. And so if the birthright means nothing to you, the father of the family and the name means nothing to you. He said, well, what good is this going to do? What good is it going to do to go to church? There's a bunch of hypocrites over there anyway. That person won't see anything. They won't get anything unless they change. Can you see this? Oh, tithing. I tried that one time. It didn't do me any good. Well, you never believed it. If you believed it, you wouldn't have tried it. You don't try it. You do it. Until when? Forever, I guess. I don't know. If it was true then, it's true now. Be true later. What good is this birthright going to do me? Sure. Yeah, you can have it. Deal. Jacob said, shake on it. (laughs) Can I get that in writing? (laughs) Whatever he did. But as far as they were concerned, it was a deal. And so the Bible said, thus Esau despised 
his birthright. He didn't cuss it. What did he do? He just said, what good is this? What good is this? And he despised it. It was serious. But I want you to notice something. Time passes. Years pass. Daddy's getting close to going on. And now it's time for the person with the birthright to get the blessing. And Esau says, somebody say, blessing? Blessing? Oh, I want that. He didn't want the birthright, but he wanted the blessing. He didn't care about the the birthright, but he wanted the blessing. He didn't want to honor, but he wanted to be honored. He didn't want to show respect, but he wanted to be respected. He didn't want to give, but he wanted people to give to him. Oh, come on, can you see this? Was Esau the last one that felt this way? No. Uh Uh-uh. So he did everything he could. Yeah, he showed up just like they hadn't made the deal and everything. Yeah, I'm going to get the blessing. But oh, Esau again put the move on him. Got there early. Is that right? And this is how real people have reduced blessing to a knee-jerk response when somebody sneezes. Bless you. Doesn't mean a thing. So it has no power. But this is how real it was. When his daddy blessed him with the blessing of the firstborn, spoke it over him, put his hands on him, and he left. Esau comes in. He says, oh, who are you? I'm Esau. Well, no, I thought Esau just came in. No, I'm Esau. He said, is that brother of yours? He said, well, give me the blessing. He said, I already give it to him. Is the blessing real or not? I can't. I can't. This is how real the blessing is. It's not just some incantations and no big deal. Something was actually transmitted to his life. Because he, he loved it. He wanted it. He went about it the wrong way. But he, he admired it. Oh friend we're supposed to. Desire. The sincere milk of the word. We're supposed to covet earnestly. The gifts of the spirit. And when you do. Deep calls to deep. Something in you. Reaches to something in him. And if you pray, if it's precious to you, and if it's valuable to you, he'll release some of it to you. I said he'll release some of it to you. And if you treat it right, you go, oh, got me some revelation. Revelation, revelation, revelation. And if somebody says, oh, that don't even revelation. I heard that 40 years ago. You act like you didn't even hear him. Oh, got me 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. Have you seen 2% look any better than that 2%? That is some Holy Ghost 2%. And people can mock and they can make fun. They can make light. Don't you let it touch you. Don't you let it. Don't you let it touch you. We got a church. 
I'm talking about somebody just started a church. We got a church. It's 830 square feet. 830 square feet. We got eight people. Eight people. Eight people. Don't say we only got. We only have. That's how you lose what you got. To him that has. To him that has shall more be given. To him that has not. How'd the guy that had five wind up with 11? How'd the guy with one talent lose the talent he had? You need to sing. You need to shout. We got eight people. We got a church. We got a church. 800 square feet. Wall to wall. Holy Ghost. Look out. Look out. We're going to shake the county. Look out. We're going to reach the state. Look out. Look out. Now the devil is the despiser. He will come and say, you crazy. Nobody knows you. Nobody knows who you are. He said, I don't care about that. I don't don't care about that. We got a church. We got a church. Eight people, 800 square feet. (laughs) And and you paint that church, and you trim the hedges, and you mow the grass, and you fix the stuff up. I don't care if you got one pair of dress pants, you put a crease in them. Come on, are you listening to me? And you look sharp, and you, come on, are you with me or not? This is how you qualify for more. You honor God with all you got. Right? And what's going to happen? He's going to honor you. I mentioned having the privilege of helping Brother Hagin. And being, we'd go to the speaker's room in the afternoon before healing school. He'd be in there. I might be leading music. Patsy might be leading music. David might be involved. And uh, sometimes he'd tell us a story. And sometimes it seemed like a strange story. Sometimes he wouldn't say anything. But he kept telling us this story. I mean, every, every few months he'd tell us this story. He wouldn't explain it. Wouldn't tell us what it meant. You want me to tell you the story? Does that sound familiar? Why do you speak to them in parables? Does it sound familiar? People say, well, don't play with me. Just spit it out. No. Show some respect. No. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. I know I... Something was going on in service one time, and the guy was well across the room. He said, hey, preacher, come here. Come here. And I foolishly did. The Lord said, that's wrong. He showed you no respect. It ain't about me in the flesh. It's about to call. Well, can you see this? Is any sick among you? Call for the elders to show respect. They can't get up and get out. But don't just expect you to know. 
show enough respect to ask. Come on, can you see this? We don't receive because of lack of respect. Things are too loose. They're too lax. And people, a lot of folks do this ignorantly, but it's still costing them. And that's why we're talking about it. We're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. We're not ignorant of God's ways. He's teaching us. He's helping us. And I hadn't forgot about the story. We'd come in there. He'd be quiet. Brother Hagen would say, back in X amount of year and, and month, and he's talking, he's talking the, the 30s. And he said, uh, in those days, there weren't banks in all the rural areas, and there was a wealthy man that lived there, and people would go to him sometimes and get loans. Well, I knew that was true. Where I grew up, it was that way. And uh, he said the, the little church wanted to start there. They went to uh, this man, called his name, and wanted to borrow some money from him to build a church. And, and so he got involved with them. And they built their church. And, and uh, another man had a farm. And he got involved with him. And, and then a drought came. Hard times. These were depression days. And said uh, the... Uh, Folks at the church couldn't pay anything. They couldn't pay their utilities, couldn't pay their bill. And, and uh, said uh, they came, he, he asked if they got way behind on their payments of everything and didn't contact him or anything. And he talked to them about it. And they said, well, you know, we, uh, we just can't right now. You know, you understand. And, and uh, he said, no. He said, uh, I'm going to foreclose on you and I'm going to take the property. They said, well, no. I mean, you're not going to do that. You're going to shut the church down. He said, yeah. Yep. They had let the place go. And, and uh, he did. Put them all out. They said, what do you do with it? He said, I don't know. I'll make a barn out of it if I want to. They said, man. So he did. He took it. And uh, the farmer he didn't make a crop for like three or four years in a row. And he'd contact the man and said, I can pay you a little interest, but that's, that's it. He said, that's all right. Do what you can. And finally, he couldn't get seed. And no money to buy seed this year. But he'd get up every morning. You know, daylight. He'd go out. He, did, he couldn't buy paint. But he'd go down to the creek and get some clay. He whitewashed the, the, the barn and the building. and He'd check his fences. and He's lost the place last year. But he'd get up every day. And he'd go and he'd do what he could. And they kept the place up, made it look good. And Mr. So-and-so, he called his name, the rich man, he drove up over there one day and handed him the title deed to the place. And then he'd say, all right, y'all go in there and start the service. Crank it up real good. That's the end of the story. <laughs> and so we'd go along, you know, several months. And then he'd start up with that story again. He'd tell us, I don't know, several times he told us that story. Do you know why he told us the story? Is this how God is? Is he or not? If you don't try, if you don't value it, if you don't care, you're going to lose it. 
I said, you'll lose it. I don't care if it's a church, ministry, but if you won't quit and you keep valuing it. He got up every day, whitewashed his posts, huh? Cut down the grass. Come on, are y'all with me? Why? He hadn't quit. He still values this place. Is that right? He still values it. You can tell people in church. Too many churches, they don't value what's going on there. They drag in late. They say, well, that's good enough. Well, we get to it when we can. And the pastors misrepresent the Lord and say, well, that's okay. Just do what you can. It ain't okay. I said, it's not okay. I was at a meeting some years ago. Well, we've got stories tonight, don't we? And uh, a lady uh, came over. She was older. She said, Brother Keith, Brother Keith. She said, uh, oh, so good to see you. She said, you have, uh, your ministry has sent materials to me for I don't know how many years. And uh, she said, man, it has helped me so much. I mean, a lot of times it, that message is just what I needed. And it has helped me. And she said, I've never sent you a dime. And yet you, you you just sent out. I said, that's okay. That's okay. I was just glad we could send it. And as she walked away, the Lord said, that's not okay. That's not okay. It, it startled me. It wasn't my thought. What he's, he's correcting me. I just misrepresented him. Is everybody listening or not? I told her that was fine. That was fine. He said, it's not okay. She doesn't have nothing. The only excuse for doing nothing is if you have absolutely nothing. Could she have sent 50 cents a month? Could she? That's not about, I'm not going to tell somebody, you should send something to us. I never say that. I'm not going to. You should respect me. You should submit to me. I never say that. It's not for me to say. But does she need to show the Lord some respect for him ministering? To, come on, does she need to want that word to go out to somebody else? Come on, can you see this? Could she send a dollar a month? It's not okay to do nothing. When you can do something. But again people say. "Well, What's 50 cents? It ain't about the money. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. It's about love. It's about respect. It's about honor. And the biggest thing. Is she talked about her struggles. And her finances for all these years. She needs it. She needs the harvest. That's right. Amen. 30, 60 fold times nothing is nothing. If you just put anything in there, a hundred times a quarter, right? A hundred times a quarter is something. But you can't multiply nothing. You can't bless nothing. And the ministry has believed wrong and, and let the world shame them. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. About talking about these things. Then there's all kind of people. They never bring up tithing. Never. And tell people you're fine. You're okay. Well, you're not. Right? It's not about doing some big thing. It's not about money. It's about, is God first in your life? Do you worship him? Not just with your words, but with your substance. With your life. Is he priority? And if he is, it's not just empty talk. It's actions. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands and praise him for a little bit. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we magnify you. Say it out loud, Lord, forgive us. Any times we've misrepresented you, ignored you, failed to respect you. That's not our heart. That's not our choice. Thank you for showing us how. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to 2 Samuel 6. I believe we can close with this. 2 Samuel 6, 14. David and the people of God have brought the ark from the place where it had been staying and they're bringing it back to where it's supposed to be. David knew some things about honor. Have you read after his life and what he's done? He and his mighty men, they knew some things about honor. They got it from him. He got it from God. You show me somebody who really knows something about God. I show you somebody who knows something about honor. Goes hand in hand. That's that's what he is on the inside. Well, this is big to David. Big. And so, man, you talk about going all out. They had the big band playing. (laughs) And. It was on, man. I mean, there is singing and there is praising and there is playing and there is shouting and ain't nothing else more important going on anywhere around here today. Here they come with the ark. And they're doing it right this time. The priests have it on their shoulders and it's covered like it's supposed to be. But David danced before the Lord. With all of his might. You're talking about some dancing. David is busting the move. He he, he is. Not not, not this little stuff. I mean. He is leaping. He He is moving. Why? He's not entertaining. He's not dancing for anybody else's benefit. He's not dancing saying. Look how I can dance. Uh-uh, uh-uh. He's dancing for joy. Amen. He is so happy that the Ark of the Covenant is going to come where it's supposed to be. This is the presence of God is there between the cherubim. It's the mercy seat. Should we get excited about the yes. things of God? Yes. Should we? Yes. Should we? Yes. 
none of this. Oh, we got to pray again. <laughs> you know, I'm going to pray a solid hour. Okay. <laughs> what, what if I told Brother Jerome, I'm going to talk to you for an hour. I don't really want to. I don't know if I can. <laughs> but I'm going to try to talk to you for an hour. That means fellowship with him is not real to us. There's too much religious ritual involved. Because you get caught up in his presence. Half a day can pass. And you go, wow. What, what? When you're in love with somebody, you're not looking at the clock how much longer you have to stay. Is that right? You, you're not going. One day I was studying on praise and worship and the Lord was showing me that this is something we can give him that he will receive. The thought that you can give something to the giver and him receive it and enjoy it, it's, it's quite a thought. And praise and worship can be that. But as I was studying, he said, now, I was sitting in my chair in the living room. He said, now, son, understand this. If you're not enjoying it, don't assume I'm getting a lot out of it. <laughs> Oh, praise you. We praise you. Oh, we praise you. Praise you. Hallelujah. We praise you. We praise you. You know, the Bible talked about the, was it the Pharisee that came and prayed thus with himself. Oh, God, I thank thee that I'm not like other people. Like, <laughs> I tithe. I give. I keep the law. I thank thee. I'm not like publicans. The master said, he's praying with himself. He, he ain't even communing with God. It's like he's rattling on, but ain't nobody on the other end. Because God doesn't regard vanity. I mean, he's not going to listen to a bunch of junk that you're just making up. Ain't even real to you. <laughs> that's why God loves a cheerful yeah, it ain't enough to beat on folks and shake them till the money falls out <laughs> I think well they'll be blessed in spite of themselves no they won't if they don't want to do it leave them alone well, how will we do it they never were your source quit looking at them what'll happen God will use somebody else They'll get their blessing. You better watch out. Some folks, they'll get their blessing in yours too. They won't even apologize. Man, they'll just, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because they've learned. <laughs> Hallelujah. David, verse 15, all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of a trumpet. Should church be glorious? Should it? And it's not... How much money you spend. It's not how talented the players and singers are. It's all about heart. It's about excitement. It's about love. You really love him. And as the ark came into the city of David. Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window. She saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. 
And she said, I got to get into this. She jumped out and ran and started dancing with him. Huh? That's what should have happened. I said, that's what should have happened. But she hadn't been reading her Bible. She ain't been praying. She hadn't been going to tabernacle with David. She's been too busy. Always been doing something else. And when you start doing that, your understanding gets darkened. And you see less and less things to be thankful for. And more and more things to gripe about. And complain about. And you get unthankful. You lose your joy. You lose your peace. And get bitter. And start blaming other folks. For what's wrong in your life. And you go far enough that way. Like Brother Hagin used to say. Didn't you want to recognize the Holy Ghost if he's coming down the aisle with the red hat on? And that's basically what's going on right here. The Holy Ghost is coming down. Come on, can you see this? This is God. This is God. This ain't just somebody acting a fool. This is God. And she looks at her and goes, that's disgusting. He's the king. Kings don't act like that. They do if they love God. Yes, they do. <laughs> she despised him in her heart. Is this a, I've taken some time. I know this is not all just run, shout, the aisle things tonight. But is this serious? This is about to cut off something in the rest of her life. Have you read this? We haven't seen how serious these things are. This is her husband. You got to watch about judging after the flesh. You know they did that with Jesus? This is the carpenter's son. Who is he? Stand up saying he's anointed. They despised him. And he could there do no mighty works. Why? He did them other places. Why? Because they'd receive it. They got excited. Who got the miracles? The folks had heard, huh? Anointing over there? Healing over there? Let's go. They, they went to other towns. They'd press through the crowd. They'd touch his garment. They'd shout, hey, hey, over here, over here, have mercy on me. I ain't going to act a fool like that. You don't believe in it enough. You don't think it's real. That's who gets it. People that go, huh? God's moving. What's happening? Count me in. Count, make a place for me. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I want some. I want some. I want some. I want the birthright. I want the blessing. Two scoops, please. Yes. Y'all just fanatics. No, we love God. We love God. We love God. And he's real to us. He's real to us. People don't understand what we do. You go across the country, pay your own way, sit in church for hours. People say, I'd pay people not to have to sit in church for hours. <laughs> but have the precious things of God changed your life? Have they changed who you are, what you are, what your life is? Here, a great thing is happening. 
I mean, this happened many, 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 many years ago. We're talking about it tonight. That's what kind of event this was. And his wife. She could have just shown him respect because he's her husband. She could have just shown him respect because he's the king. She could have shown him respect because he's the anointed of God. Anybody can do something dumb in the flesh, but don't discount the anointing. Don't speak lightly of the, the place, the office. But she threw all that out the window. And she can talk to him any way she wants to. She's a king's wife. She can do it. Yeah, you can, but it can cost you too. It can cost you far more than you ever thought it would. He got home. Verse 20. When you get home, it ought to be good. <laughs> I said, it ought to be good. Honey, I'm home. Oh, baby, it's you. Been waiting on you. So glad to see you. Kisses and hugs. Huh? I saw, I saw the procession. That's all I could do to keep running down in the street. Ah, oh, it's awesome. It's wonderful, baby. It's wonderful. The ark is back. The ark is back. But no. No. She's all bitter. She's all dark inside. She's mad. She's her pride is hurt. She's, she said, how glorious was the king of Israel today. Now, now listen. We do not need to traffic in sarcasm. We shouldn't use these forms of expression. Don't say what you don't mean. This is for people influenced by darkness. You'll find the, the further people off, the more they're this way. Reverse speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a habit. It, it's yeah. all around us. It is. It is. If you don't like it, don't say, oh, I love that. No. Don't do it. That's right. That's right. Our words are supposed to have power. Right. We're supposed to say what we mean. Right. Mean what we say. Right. And not just talk for noise, talk for effect. Yeah. Right. Release things in our words. How glorious. I don't even like reading it. Was the king of Israel today. Uncovered himself. Today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servant. As one of the vain fellows. Shamelessly uncovers himself. Now there's all kinds of speculation about what happened. Some think he just didn't have on his robes. He wasn't acting like a king. He was down to his common clothes or light clothes. Or maybe even his underwear. Other folks say he had a wardrobe malfunction. I don't know. <laughs> either way. Somebody say either way. Either way. It what's God looking at? He's not looking how you were dressed. He's not looking at the kind of steps you were doing. She said, how glorious. Verse 21. David said to Michael, I'm sorry, baby. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm sorry. Don't be mad. Don't be mad, baby. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. He said, it was before the Lord that picked me before your father 
And before all this house. And appointed me ruler. Over the people of the Lord. Over Israel. Therefore. I will play. <laughs> I will. I will play. Before the Lord. Come somebody say. I will play before the Lord. I, I will play. Before the Lord. Verse 22. And if you call this vile. You ain't seen vile. I'm going to be more vile than this. And I will be base in my own sight. I do not think I am too big as king to get down in the street. Dance with everybody else. No. And of these maid servants you're talking about. Of them I'll be had in honor. Not like in my own house right now. Now you're concerned about them. What they're going to think about me. You watch. I'll have respect to them. Verse 23, therefore, what does therefore mean? What he's about to say happened because of what just happened. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. And the fact that even bring it up, it must have been a very big deal to her. And it wasn't God that did it to her. It wasn't David that did it to her. What did she do? When she despised her husband and her king and the anointed, she judged herself unworthy of precious things from God. Oh, come on, can you see this? Folks don't know how treating people in one area is cutting off the very desire of their life in another area. Because what they're wanting that child, that ministry, that place, that association, whatever, that's honor from God. That's honor from God to give you that, to let you be a part of that. And that only comes if what? You honor him. And she didn't just dishonor David. She dishonored God. She thought it's her husband. She thought she could talk to him any way she wanted to. But she didn't realize David was responding to the Holy Spirit. His heart was right. Even if he did some things wrong, his heart was right. And God's looking at his heart. She needed to be in there with him. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.